0: My Savior cared and loved me so. King of kings left his throne, but for a cross and for his own. He bled for me on Calvary. He heard my plea and bought me for eternity. I'm saved and justified forevermore. I'm his child. Were the nails the solemn power? that held sweet jesus in that hour it was love for you for me that held my savior to the tree are you lost and alone and tired of all sin you've sown come to Christ be set free and live with him eternally he bled for me on Calvary he'll hear your plea and buy you for eternity Oh, be saved and shine.
1: thank you Bonnie she's my favorite singer you know what? I think I'm her I was gonna say best fan only fan some fan boys and girls ages four years old through fourth grade children's church is calling for you brother Kane said if he was directing the teen choir or the youth ensemble it would sound more like the Mayberry Band that was real humble folks he is very musical he could he could take this youth ensemble and make it even better than it'll be tonight he's really good with music he's just being humble okay and he's glad that I'm doing it okay because he's got a lot on his plate and I just happen to be retired okay Pastor Shirk asked me to fill in for him this morning I'm glad to do that always look for an opportunity to preach the word of God to people I was thinking this week, uh, all the years that I was a pastor, what did I do when I asked someone to fill in for me when I went out of town? Usually the first time they preached, I would get with them sometime after I asked them to preach, and I would would ask them to please remember three things. Would you like to know those three things that I asked the fill-in preachers to do? Number one, don't create a problem. When I come back to town, I don't want to have to fix a problem that you created when you filled in for me. Does that make good sense? Amen. Number two, if you feel the church has a problem or the church is a problem, don't try to to fix the problem. Let the pastor fix the problem. (laughs) The first time I filled in when I was a youth and music director, I tried to fix the problem. And I regret it. Just fresh out of college. You know, when you're a college graduate, you feel like you know everything. You can do everything. I mean, you know, the world is waiting for you. And I was music and youth director in First Christian Church in Walk Roost, Indiana. Wonderful church. It was well known all around this country. I believe it's being one of the best churches in our country. Godly pastor. A church in a town with 1,200 people. 1,200 people and over 500 came to our church. Does that tell you something about it? Of course, they didn't just come from the town. They came from all the farms around about. And Pastor Strobane went on vacation, went someplace and asked me to fill in. Man, was I excited. I was really excited. And I remember my text. It was somewhere in Jeremiah. And it said something like, uh, "Could you? were you you ashamed at all when you committed iniquity, when you committed abomination? Were you ashamed? No, you were not ashamed. You couldn't even blush. And that that was my message. So much going on to be a good message for today. So much going on today in the lives of God's people that they're not even embarrassed. They don't even blush. And in that message, I said, you know, when a person is saved and it wants to live for the Lord, wouldn't you think they'd want everybody to know? I would think they would. I said, let's just say that, remember, this was the first Christian church, okay? Our church did not believe anything the Christian church believed. I mean, we didn't believe what they believed about salvation, about worship, about baptism, about e- eternal security, about a whole bunch of things, but it was the first Christian church. So in that message, I said something like this, you know, wouldn't you think if a lady was a prostitute, And she had a sign up above her front door that said, Mary's House of Prostitution. And then she went to some church and heard the gospel and got saved. She was born again. And she quit being a prostitute. Wouldn't you think she'd want to go out and change the sign above the door? Wouldn't you think she'd want, this is the assistant pastor filling in for the pastor, you know. Wouldn't you think that she'd take the sign down Mary's House of Prostitution and put up a sign like you must be born again or, something, or I'm a Christian now or something like that. Don't you think it's time for our church to take the sign off the door that says First Christian Church and maybe the First Baptist Church or the Bible Baptist Church or the Faith Baptist Church. I mean, just why don't we let everybody in. I'm just the fill in. You know, I'm the new music and youth director in town. What in the world was I doing? When the pastor got back, in our Tuesday morning conference, he decided to have it on Monday instead of Tuesday. He said, Larry, I'd like to talk about your message yesterday. I was pretty excited about that. I really was excited. I thought he was going to give me all kinds of compliments. He said, your message. Larry, were you in the spirit or the flesh when you preached? I said, well, I, I think I was in the spirit. I, I wanted to be. I prayed I would be. He said, well, you know, I already had somebody come to my office since you got back in town. Oh, brother so-and-so, I won't tell you his name. He's with the Lord now. He was about 85 years old. He said he came to see me this morning, and he was not happy about your message. He said, Pastor Strobane, I want you to know, I was born in the first Christian church. I was saved in the first Christian church. I was baptized in the first Christian church. I was married in the first Christian church. Would you like to finish it? I am going to die in the first Christian church. By the way, he did. (laughs) He did. I said, I'm sorry. I meant to be a help. He said, Pastor Carsey, just let, let me fix the problems, okay? Yes, sir. By the way, I didn't leave over that. I left about two or three years later. Went to Faith Baptist Church, school. Did they ever change the name of the church? Yes, they did. As soon as he died. <laughs> okay. It is now the Bible Baptist Church at Walk Roost, Indiana. You say, it's because God blessed your preaching, my brother. You just didn't know it. I think I made a bad mistake that day. And I want you to know I'm glad to fill in for Pastor Shirk. I don't want to create a problem that he has to fix. I don't want to. I don't know of any problems now, but if I do, I don't want to change them. I don't want to try to fix them. And number three, I would always tell the fill-in: Listen, you've got the whole Bible. I will pray for you that God will give you the text and God will give you the message, and you will preach the Word of God. But there's so many things in the Bible that are so easy to understand; they're not controversial. You wouldn't have to argue about them. People wouldn't get after you. Well, I don't know if I believe that or not. So you've got the whole Bible, brother, but could I ask you to preach something that's not controversial, something that would be a blessing and a help to people where they won't think, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Would you do that while I'm gone? So I have those three things in mind every time I'm asked to fill in for anybody. And I've been praying that the Lord would help me today to bring a message that would help and not hinder anybody's personal life, the life of the church. And especially that it would be a message that everybody here could relate to. A message that would, uh, that would apply to everybody sitting here tonight, whether you're a, a young child or the oldest adult, that this would be a message that could help you because it has helped me as I've prepared it and we need it. Do you have a problem? Don't stand and tell us your problems, please, but does anybody here have a problem? You say, problem, what's that? I don't have any problems. Maybe somebody said, which one? <laughs> okay. You have some kind of a problem you're dealing with, you're something, or perhaps something that you're worried about, something maybe you get fearful about, somebody that could, something that could perhaps really overwhelm you. You could get your mind off it and you just can't get out of your mind, and fear or worry becomes fear, and then fear not controlled sometimes becomes being distressed or overly discouraged or continually discouraged, or maybe even depression. You say, oh, yeah, so what's your problem today? Uh, a few weeks ago, I had a potential problem that, believe me, could have overwhelmed me. I could have really been overtaken by fear. God met the need. It's all taken care of. It wasn't a financial matter, by the way. Please don't start giving me money. Okay? What well, had nothing to do with finances. It had to do with my health. The problem is all gone. It's all cleared up like it was no problem at all. But it could have overwhelmed me. And in my devotions, I came across the verse, right? During that time. It's found in the book of Proverbs. I've never, I don't remember ever seeing the verse before. Would you turn to it, please? It's Proverbs 18. And as I read that verse, man, I grabbed my pen. I always have my pen when I have devotions. I mean, I grabbed my pen. I grabbed my ruler. I underlined the verse. And I said, Larry, you need to memorize this verse. You need to meditate on this verse. And you, right now in your life with this situation, you need to do what this verse says. You need to live this verse. It was Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a what? A strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Would you read that verse together with me, please? Read it out loud so we can all hear it together. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. And I decided I'd memorize that verse. I'd meditate upon that verse. And by the grace of God, I would try to live that verse. And that was a blessing to me. A couple of days later, I thought, you know, that'd be a good possible message, a text I could preach on when I fill in for Pastor Shirk. You know, you have to understand, when I'm asked to fill in and preach, from that moment on, every day in my devotions, I want to preach what I just read. That's just the way I am, okay? So I've, I've had more messages in my mind in the last month than you could ever imagine. But this one just kept coming back to my mind. Why don't you preach Proverbs 18.10? So let's look at the text this morning. Just to ask a few questions. First of all, in our text, to what is a person to run in the time of trouble? We're going to look at this verse kind of verse by verse, if we could, all right? To what is a person supposed to run in a time of trouble or fear? And the answer is a strong tower. You think about towers back in those days that were erected on mountains or perhaps rocks, maybe even on the walls of a city. We might kind of compare them in our thinking to some of the old castles back in Europe. I mean, a strong tower speaks of a place of refuge. Some key words come to our mind when we think of the strong tower, we think of refuge. Defense, protection, safety, security. It's a place to which we go in a time of crisis. A place to which we go when we have a really serious need, or any need for that matter. And even in the very definition of the word tower, the emphasis in a definition, the definition of the word has to do with its height. Something that's tall or something that's thick. Or the materials from which this tower would be made. Because the key thing about the tower then and any time is that it's supposed to be impregnable. It's, It's supposed to be incapable of being overcome. Incapable of being overtaken. Incapable of ever being destroyed. I mean, if you were in this tower, you were safe. You were secure. You were protected. You were provided for. It was all about peace, peace from worry, peace from fear, peace from being destroyed or overwhelmed or taken over, being killed. It's all in the word tower. And by the way, sad but true, I'm not a historian. I'll leave that to Brother Tillman. But all man-made towers have been destroyed by man. That's just... The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Why is that? That's good for a lot of reasons. But all, listen, the best of man's towers have been toppled, have been invaded, have been destroyed. God's tower is impregnable. And by the way, the location of the tower, that's pretty important too, right? You can have a great tower, a strong tower, a high tower, a thick tower, but if if you can't get to it, it's no good. The location of that tower is very important. It's got to be accessible. It's got to be something that you can get to. So to what are we supposed to go in a time of trial? A strong tower. Number two this morning in our text. What or who is this tower that a person is supposed to run to in a time of trouble? The answer is the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord, L-O-R-D in capital letters in our Bible. Who's that? The Lord. It's Jehovah. Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent eternal one. Even in that definition of Jehovah, we have the idea of a tower. He's the self-existent eternal one, but that's not all that's in the definition of his name. It's the one, it's the name in which God has chosen to reveal himself to people. So it's someone that we can relate to. Somebody that's a part of our lives. God, Jehovah, is the eternal self-existent God who has chosen to reveal himself to mankind so we can have a relationship with him and we can run to him in a time of trouble. Well, how does God reveal himself? You know this, he reveals himself through nature. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their voice is going out to the to what? To all the earth and their words to the end of the world. I mean. God's glory is revealed in nature. That's Psalm 19 verses, I think, 1 through 4. And we can see God in nature everywhere and at any time. That's what it's all about. He reveals himself through nature. He also reveals himself through man's conscience. Romans chapter 2, I think it's verse 2 or 3 or 4, somewhere in there, that that man's conscience either excuses or else accuses him because our conscience is a revelation of God just in the very conscience that we're born with. God reveals himself also through his, his, his through scripture. Through his names in scripture. Through his attributes in scripture. Through statements about himself in scripture. Through stories in the Bible. I mean, the, the greatest place to learn about God is in the Bible. God has revealed himself in his word. And then God has chosen to reveal himself in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember John 1:14. And the word, Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth in verse 18. No man has seen God, God the Father, at any time. Why? He's a spirit, right? No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. The word declared means he has led him forth into open revelation. You want to see what God is like? You want to find out who God is? Study Jesus Christ in the Bible. He's the revelation of God the Father. That's why he said to uh, Philip in John 14, I think think verse 9, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. So God, Jehovah, the eternal self-existent one, he reveals himself to mankind. And this verse says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. So the fact that he is a tower is in his name. Dr. Matthew Henry said this, there is enough in God and in the discoveries which he has made of himself to us to make us easy at all times. What does that mean? God is fully sufficient to meet every need that we have if we just know who he is, what he's like. And, it's, and part of that, it's, it's just in his very name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So let's remember some names of God. And I put a note here Larry, don't stop. Keep going. You know what that means? Don't explain the names. (laughs) Just give them. I'll give the name and I'll give you the definition. I'll go to the next one. But what you want to be thinking of each name is, what does this have to do with God being a strong tower that I can run to when I need need some help? In the Bible. In fact, you're close. We're in Proverbs. Go go to Psalm 9. Before I read any of the names, go to Psalm 9. This could have been the text too. It sure goes along with it. Psalm 9, look at verse 10. Psalm 9, verse 10. I learned this verse a long time ago, and it's always made me interested in studying the names of God. Psalm 9, verse 10. And they, this is a psalmist saying, and they that know thy name will do what? Tell me, what does it say? They put their trust in him. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For the Lord God has not forsaken them that seek thee. So knowing God's names should encourage us to trust him and knowing God's names will encourage us in a time of need to run to him for safety. So what are some names of God? Some, not all, just a few. He's Elohim. He's the strong and faithful one, Elohim. He's called Master. His name is Master. The word in the Bible is Adonai. Adonai, he's Master. He's El Elyon. El Elyon would say, he's the most high God. He's Jehovah Sabbath. He's the Lord of hosts. He's Jehovah Jireh. What does that mean? Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rapha. The Lord that healeth. He's Jehovah Nissi. The Lord our banner. He's Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. He's Jehovah Ra'ah. The Lord is my shepherd. He's Jehovah Sitkanu. That means the Lord, our righteousness. And he's Jehovah Shama. The Lord is present. He's a lot of other things. He has a lot of other names in the Bible. Those are some of the key, we think of the most important names of God. And every one of those names When you think about what the name is and what it means, it would want us to run to him as a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And then before we go to the next question, what about the attributes of God? God revealed in his word. Is there anything about an attribute of God that should make us realize that he is the strong tower? The name of the Lord is a strong tower? Just a few. The Lord is eternal. He always was. He is and he forever will be without beginning and without end. That's the Lord. Secondly, the Lord is sovereign. He has rule and authority over everything and everyone, whether they know it or not. He can do anything he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, for any reason, and he doesn't owe an explanation to anybody. He's sovereign. He's in control. He's overall. He is holy. The Lord is holy. He is separate from all sin. He's incapable of ever thinking or saying or doing anything that's wrong. He's holy. The Lord is just. That means He's perfect in everything He decides. He's perfect in everything He does. The Lord is just. He's always fair. The Lord is omniscient. Boy, that ought to encourage us. And we got a problem. He's omniscient. He knows everything about us. He knows anything and everything about everybody and everything. I mean, there's nothing God does not know. He's omniscient. Oh, God is omnipresent. We said that the, the, the fort, the tower has to be accessible, has to be close enough to get to. God is everywhere present. And he's always present, not always just present. He's, he's, he's present all the time and he's present in every place. He's everywhere present. He's omnipotent. What does that mean? Omnipotent? He's all-powerful. He can do anything he wills to do. So many things we want to do, we can't do. We don't have the power to do it. That's not so with God. God is omnipotent. He can do anything he chooses to do. There's, what does the Bible say? Is there, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the obvious expected is, the answer is no, nothing. In fact, he says in the same chapter, I am God, there is nothing too hard for me. What did the angel say to Mary when he told her she was going to have the Christ child? For with God, nothing shall be impossible and there's a verse in Matthew for with men things are impossible with God nothing shall be impossible that's our God that's our tower that we run to he's omnipotent he's immutable I like that he's always the same he never changes we are up and down we're up and down folks we all are God is not up and down he's always the same he never changes what he did for people in bible times he can do for us today do you believe that when you have a problem, when you have a need, something's really bothering you, you're worried about something, and you don't know how this is going to turn out, and you feel about overwhelmed. Remember, in fact, we were, my wife and I were, were praying for someone the other night, we pray every night together. And I was praying for somebody, and I said, you know, this is a helpless situation. I can't change this person. I don't know who could ever change this person. As I was praying, I thought, God could. His disciples came to Jesus one time. Jesus' disciples came to him and said, I'm sorry, this man came to Jesus and said, I've got this son, he's, he's possessed of demons, and I took him, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't heal him. And what did Jesus say? Remember what he said? He said, Bring him to me. As I was praying, I said, I want to bring him to you, Father. I don't know how to even how to do it. Just bring him to you because nobody can fix this guy. You can. He's immutable, he's always the same. If you could feed 5,000 men, plus women and children, and end up with 12 baskets full left over, then he can feed our family today, amen? I mean, that's just God, he's, he's immutable. Oh, by the way, he's faithful. When you got a problem, that's a good one to remember. He always keeps his word. He's true to his word. Even when we're not faithful, the Bible says, he cannot deny himself. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God always does what he says. Does that help us? Amen? He's faithful. And then we could take a whole bunch more and lump them all together because they're so similar, and yet they're all different. God is good. God is kind. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is long-suffering. and God is love. I mean... Those are just a few attributes of God. And our text says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is saved. Would you go please for just a moment to Psalm? Let's go to Psalm uh, 61. I read Psalm 18 earlier. Go to Psalm 61 for just a minute. And just look at the first four verses, because you've got that word tower in there. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a what? A strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle. I will abide in that tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. He calls his God here a strong tower. Back in the text that we read earlier in the the other Psalm, he he says he's a high tower. Our text says he's a strong tower. I, I mean, I think we get the message here. Our God is impregnable. When we have a problem that we know we cannot cannot conquer, why don't we go to him? Our third question, go back to our text please, if you will, Proverbs 18. Look at that 10th verse again. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is saved. So our next question is, who is to run to the strong tower? Who's to run to the strong tower? The answer is the righteous one. And I want to say, that refers to the true Christian. The one who has been justified. The one who has been declared righteous by God. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto what? Righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he, God, hath made him Christ to come to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God. And here God says in Proverbs, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous one runneth into it and is saved. So the question today is, have you been declared righteous by God? The only way God ever declares a person righteous is if he repents of his sin. And puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for his sins, was buried, and the third day rose again. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 1, 11 and 12. He, Jesus, came unto his own, and his own received him, not but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the moment you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, God says, now you are just as if you never sinned. It's just if I had never sinned. I'm justified. God declares me righteous. And the writer of Proverbs says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, the one who's been saved, regenerated, born by God's spirit, he runs to the tower and he's safe. You say, well, I was saved when I was five years old, six years old, 10 years old, whatever. But you know, I don't really live like it. I know, and I, I, I can't explain my whole life, but I know I was saved when I was four. So now if I have this problem, can I, can I run to this high tower and expect to be saved or saved? Can I be safe, delivered? Can my problem be solved? The answer is kind of like yes and no. Because Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So we can't just live this lifestyle that we want to live and say, well, I was just saved when I was young. And I have all the benefits of being a Christian. So I got a problem. I'm going to run to God and he's going to solve my problem. I'm going to say this, okay. If you're a Christian, but you're not living for the Lord. We use the word backslid and you slid back. You're not right with God, but you're saved then you, you can run to this strong tower and be safe. But you ought to go and say, Father, I confess I'm not living like your child. I've got this in my life and this in my life and I don't do this. I, don't, I, I know that I'm not right with you, but your word says if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you please forgive me Would you please restore the fellowship that I had with you? I want to have it again. And God is faithful. God is just. He does that. But this is not just some promise here in Proverbs 18, 10. As long as you've been saved sometime, you can run to God and everything's going to be fine. Now, you take an unsaved person. You see, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it. What about an unsaved person? What about a person who's not a Christian? Where does the typical unsafe person go when he has a real problem, when he has a real need, when things are all of a sudden or maybe gradually really tough and he's really overwhelmed? To what tower, seeming tower, does the average typical unsafe person go? Oh, well, he goes to uh, his money, trust in his wealth. Oh, in fact, look at the next verse. Look at Proverbs eighteen eleven. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and as a high wall in his own conceit. So he's trusting in the wrong thing, and sometimes sooner or later he's going to find out. Money don't—they don't solve all of his problems. Hey, an unsafe person, you know, if it's not his money, he runs to the bottle. <laughs> if I could just have a drink, a drink of—and he's not talking about milk or ginger ale, okay? If I could just. If I could just have a can, if I could just have a, a bottle, I'd be okay. Unsafe person, typically, run to the drugs. If I, could just, if I could just take that pill, if I could just have a shot of whatever, everything would be calm and restful. Yeah, until the, the shot wears off, right, or the pill is no longer effective. Then he's got to have another shot. He's got to have more pills. That's where he goes. Don't you feel sorry for him? He runs to off to a psychiatrist, psychologist, some professional counselor. Gives him all kinds of money so he can help him with his problem. Maybe he just goes to his best friend because it's free. But he goes to somebody. Somebody, please help me. That's a typical unsafe person. Maybe they run to their favorite activity. Or on some new activity. I just, you know, if I can just do something. Just, you know, keep busy. If I just keep busy, my problem will go away. Keep busy? That's a typical unsafe person. Or he grabs his cell phone if I can just read something, if I can watch something, if I can just maybe text somebody, just, you know, my phone, that's my savior. It's my help. I got to have my phone. No, no. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. I feel so sorry for unsafe people. They're so happy and everything. Life is so exciting. Until some major problem comes and they just don't know how to deal with it. And you cry out to them and you say, hey, there is a strong tower. Why don't you run to him? His name is Jehovah. And by the way, the Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. You understand that? Jesus, Jesus, Greek, from Jehovah, Old Testament, Hebrew. Jehovah, Jesus, Jehovah, Savior. So you look unto Jesus, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our fourth question. In our text, how does a person get to the strong tower? How does he get there? Answer out loud, please. He he runs. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is saved. You know, there are other words in the Bible about coming to God. I just jotted down a few. Come. Come, what did Jesus say? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavenly, I'll give you rest. Come, here it's run. Okay, it's come. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. Believe. Call, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, seek ye the Lord where he may be found. Or look unto me all ye ends of the earth. So you've got all these Bible words about coming to God, coming to Jehovah, coming to the strong tower. In our verse, we're told to run. Why is that? Because it speaks of urgency, speaks of desperation. There's no hesitation here. You're not just strolling to the high tower or the strong tower. You're not just casually seeing if you might get there on time. You are frantically, desperately, with all of your being, you are running to the high tower, the strong tower. You know that's where the safety is. You do it right away. You do it immediately without being hesitant. You do it when fear gradually creeps in. It's the best time to do it. Or when it suddenly, unexpectedly comes in, you run to the tower. There are so many, oh, there are so many Bible stories of God's people who ran to the tower and got help. I don't have time to mention any. I, I, I can mention one who didn't do it. I started to sell a few of my books on eBay. I listed a book called The Life of Elijah by Arthur W. Pink. It's a paperback book. It's a powerful book. And I thought, you know, before I sell this book, I think I'll read part of it again. And I opened it and I saw something I had underlined in that book. And it was all about Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Anybody know what happened in 1 Kings 19? We all know what happened in 1 Kings 18. Elijah on Mount Carmel with the false prophets of Baal. And fire called down from heaven. And 250 false prophets, boom, destroyed. I mean, Elijah is on fire. No, he's not on fire. <laughs> Everything else is on fire. Elijah is, 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 is God's man. What happens in, in chapter 19? Does he run to the strong tower? No, he runs to the wilderness. And you find him sitting under a juniper tree saying, God, it's not even, it's not even good for me to live. If I could just die. Elijah? Chapter 18, Mount Carmel? 19, running from? A woman, if you're going to run, don't run from a woman. For, excuse me, let me not go there. He ran from a woman. I mean, I might run from some strong, powerful guy. I don't know if I'd run from a woman, but he, he's running from Jezebel. You know why? Because Jezebel said, look, what happened to, the, to these prophets? Let that happen to me. If one day from now, you are not dead. And Elijah said, I'm out of here. You know what? He needed this verse. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it. And they say, there are so many stories in the Bible of God's people who in a time of need ran to him and God met their need. And there are a few stories where they chose not to do that. They went a different direction and the story ends differently. So important question. I can't, I can't miss this question. How do you run to the strong tower? How do you do it? That, that question hit me really hard. About two of you guys say, Larry, you can preach this message, but somebody's going to say, okay, so how do I do it? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs to it and is safe. So how do I do that? I think there's three things we've got to do. Number one, we've got to meditate on the person of God. You've got to think about the names of God. Think about any name of God. Meditate upon the attributes of God. What are God's traits? What are the characteristics of God? Think about the stories in Scripture and what God did in these stories. And then think about the statements of God. Think about the promises of God in the Bible and claim a promise. You're going to have to fill your mind with God. Get God in your mind, get God in your thoughts. What does it say? We walk by faith. And not by sight. You obviously can't physically run to the strong tower. You say, well, I just want to run to Jesus. Where is he? Where are you going to find him? But I just want to get to God. How do you get to God? You think about him. You meditate about him. And then you you come to him in prayer. You call out to him. You talk to him. And remember this. We said the fort, the tower has to be accessible. What good is it if you can't get to it? we got to quit thinking about God as being millions of miles away up there in heaven someplace. I have this great need. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm afraid. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to deal with this. But dear God, please, you know. And God is like millions of miles away. And maybe he's listening. Maybe he can help us. Maybe he can do something. No, no. God is omnipresent. Remember, he's all around us. In fact, his spirit dwells within us. He's really close. And so we talked to him. We prayed to him. As we think about him, you know Isaiah twenty six three and four, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is what, stayed on Thee, because he trust. We've got to put our mind on the Lord, and we see Him in the Scriptures with our mind's eye. We see Him, and we talk to Him, we call upon Him, we pray to Him, we approach Him, and we do that right away. And then the third thing, we meditate upon God and his word. We talk to him, and we talk to him with trust, with faith. There's no point running to the strong tower if you don't believe who he is, right? There's no point running to the strong tower if you don't know if what he really says is true. So somewhere in here, as we run to the tower, there's got to be the element of faith, the element of trust... That I know, God, I know what you've said and I know that you will keep your word because you're faithful. And I have this problem and I don't know how to deal with it. But you said if I run to the strong tower, your name, to you, you will help. I will be safe. And maybe your mind goes to Numbers 23, 19. I love this verse. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said... And shall he not do it? Hath he spoken? And shall he not make it good? And you say, God, you always keep your word. You're always true. So we're thinking of the Lord. We're talking to him. And God is giving us the faith to trust him. Our last question, and we're done. In our text, what is the result of running to the Lord... Our strong tower. What's the result? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it, and together, please, is safe. This is really, it's technical, but it's very interesting. The word safe in the Hebrew fits right in with this verse. Because the word safe literally means to be lofty, to be raised up. To be set on high. That's what the word safe means. To be raised up. To be lofty. To be lifted up. Set on high. It's the implication of being in such a place of safety, security, provision, protection. Such a safe place. That I in God and in his strength and in his person and in his word. I have been made lofty. I've been raised up. I have been set up above this particular problem, this situation. And you know what? Everything is going to be just fine because the name of the Lord is my strong tower. In closing, I just want to read Psalm 18, verses 46 to 50, because this is a good summary of David who kept, In many psalms, talks about God is my refuge, God's my strength, God's my salvation. God is my high tower, he's my strong tower. He's my rock, over and over again. Listen to what David says. As he came to the place where all of these problems were like past tense, he said, the Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. He delivered me from mine enemies. Yea, thou, listen to this, thou liftest me up above. That's safety, lift me up. God lifted me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. And I will sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king. And showeth mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed forevermore. You know what David does? He says, as I look back and think about how God, my strength, my strong tower, as he is the one who has chosen to deliver me and give me safety as I ran to him, let him and him alone be praised. Let him be glorified. And I want to say, I believe that's the key to overcome any problem we have, whether it's a nothing problem, small problem, or it's a big, big deal problem. The question is, why do I want my problem solved? Why do I want this behind me? The answer has to be, so Jesus Christ will be glorified with the result, and he will be lifted up. Not just that I'll be lifted up and safe, but he will be lifted up, because he alone deserves the glory. Amen, does that help? Have you heard the verse enough this morning that maybe you could quote it without looking? Let's try it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. If you don't have that memorized by now, work on it this week because the verse of scripture is what's important. Far more important than anything that I've said about the verse. Bow your heads, please, if you will. So what's your problem today? Or problems, plural. And what are you going to do with them?